Mom. Mom. Mom, can I have some quarters? Mom? Can I have some quarters to go to the arcade? Today on Press B to Cancel. <laughs> Press B to Cancel. Before we even get into that, <laughs> you just reminded me, mom has the story of my middle brother, and they apparently were on a ferry, and my dad was asleep. <laughs> he just he just woke up to dad, and he was trying to, like, scream at him, I need quarters for the games, but he didn't want to be, like, you know, he knew better than screaming on a public place. So he, he kind of started yanking on dad's uh, sleeve, and he was like, dad, dad! So he was trying to whisper, but he was, you know speaking he's basically yelling but he's whispering and he goes dad dad i want 25 cents and, and apparently <laughs> he's gave my dad such a fright i mean he was like six seven something like that and he gave dad such a fright he said i almost gave him his wallet <laughs> mom still <laughs> mom stills like makes that joke every now and then i'll be like mom you got to, I only got four dollars or something stupid like that, and she'll be like, "Dad, I want twenty five cents." <laughs> so That's I don't great. know. It just it just felt good to uh, get to tell that story to people that have no context whatsoever. Hi, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about uh, our arcade experiences growing up, as well as you know adjacent topics to that, just arcades in general, I suppose. Today I am. Your host, Werewolf, and I'm joined by Sick Jake. Say hi, Sick hey, Jake. Hey, everybody. And Pulse 109. That's Say whatever me. you like. Whatever you like. <laughs> All right. So this was sort of a, get behind the scenes here a little, this was sort of a last minute decision to do, but it just, it was something that sort of struck me as like, man, that would be cool to talk about with you guys. So here we are. GP couldn't make it because he's currently having a baby. Not his wife. He is. Oh, he ate a lot of cheese this evening. You yeah, see. GP Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought we were gonna start saying if like one of us misses it, we're gonna always gotta have an excuse and a lie about why they're not here. Oh, did that happen? I didn't. I, think I, so. I must not have been there for that one. I think you were actually because I was just <laughs> editing. But anyways, I have a terrible memory, so there's that. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, let's let's dive into maybe our first experience with an arcade that we can really remember, or at least our first, f- maybe our favorite, most fond young experience at an arcade, something like that. Just yeah, we don't want to hear about that one time you got robbed. No, that's that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get angry enough if I get like if a quarter gets eaten, let alone getting robbed. Yeah, well, I can start because uh, I love the arcades. Um, so first, first fond memory anyway was uh, Chuck E. Cheese, right? I think that counts as an arcade. At least back for me, then, yes. All <laughs> I ever did was play the arcade games. Oh yeah, Chuck E. Cheese for my kids—that's just a scam. <laughs> oh, it's it's terrible. Yeah, but back in the eighties, uh, it was most of the arcade games, right? I mean, I didn't play much skee ball. I didn't really care about the prizes. I just played the old games. Well, I guess they weren't old necessarily back then, but it was games like. Uh, the original Mario Brothers, right? The Donkey Kong, Mappy, I think, was there. And there's just a dozen machines. And it took tokens. 
And unlike most arcades in my neighborhood when I was a teenager, which cost a quarter or more, usually more, but back then, the tokens, I got like eight tokens or something for the buck. Like it, was, it was discounted rate. So I could play a lot on these machines. And I just spent so much on, I'm pretty sure it was Mappy as a little mouse. I'm pretty sure it was Mappy I played the most. Yeah, that's that's Mappy Land. Yeah, Mappy Land. And uh, the original Mario Brothers. I love the original Mario Brothers game. And it's a game that I almost completely kind of forgot about, right? In the arcade? I think original, yeah, the arcade Mario. Like the one with the power block and you have to knock the guys from underneath? Right. And then there's, you know, you have the crabs, which you have to hit twice and it gets frustrating. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's for, for whatever reason, I thought you were talking about the Super Mario Brothers where you had to put in a quarter and you'd get like five minutes or something. Oh, no. Now those, those are a scam. <laughs> no, I won't play those. I was like, I have this at home. Why am I going to play this? <laughs> yeah, I already own that. Actually, I want to say that Chuck E. Cheese, the first time I went, was before I had the Nintendo. So it really was some of my earliest memories with video games. And all I remember is the pizza and playing like Donkey Kong and stuff on on these old arcade machines. And now that I think about it, they are old because Donkey Kong and the Mario Brothers were, what, 83, 84 or something? And, like, I was probably six or seven, so I was a little older. So, yeah, it's just... Fun memories of just being in that kind of atmosphere. It's all kids. There's no older kids, you know, in the way. And just cheap tokens, food, okay atmosphere, music. I don't know. Those animatronics don't sing that great. <laughs> but that's like my first fond memory. <laughs> How about you, Paul? Man, see, I can't think of anything earlier than when I was probably, I was, I'd say like, I was five maybe at the youngest, but where I was, there was only a couple of cabinets in town, and the first first one or two I ever played was Castlevania or whatever it's called, like Vampire Killer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cat the arcade was for that, and the other was oh, what's it called? I'm trying to remember. Oh, Golden Axe Derp. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. I was, I was thinking Legendary Axe. But yeah, Golden Axe was uh, one of the first ones I ever played. And I was probably one of my my more treasured memories. But we'll get into that. Uh, yeah, it was the same cart, or same cabinets. And one was in a grocery store. One was at the airport. And another one, I can't even remember. But the same cabinets ended up just being thrown around in town in different locations. Like somebody just put it. Like, I don't know if they rented it or however it worked, but it was always the same cabinet somewhere else because I could remember because the uh, joystick had a chip in in one and, like, the way the stickers were peeled off on it. I was like, oh, this is the one that used to be in the airport. And, oh, damn it. And it <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, there was one point, like, this little tiny mini mall, and I'm talking, like, five, maybe six stores in it, and there was an arcade in there at one point, but I was, too, like, I was barely five and i never got to go in it because my parents were like no 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 because they knew how long i'd be in there so i can't remember why any of the games were in there but i'm sure that it, those two were so yes there's never a short time our visit to an arcade every time i went as a kid it was two hours at minimum yeah yeah pretty much if it was specifically an arcade even when i was little if i was like when i was three let's say I think I would still want to spend a half hour in the arcade. My mom would have to be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> You've used your quarters. We're done. Yeah. 
Well, it depends so, on the game, mm-hmm. too, because some games you put that quarter in, you can go for quite a while. So it's, I can see. Did you ever have a limit that you're, you're spending limit amount? I don't remember. I was, I'm sure my mom probably, it, when we went near an arcade, she knew I wanted to go into an arcade whenever we were going to go near one. So if she had money set aside for it, it she probably had like a buck or two for me. Okay. <laughs> we should probably preface this with the fact that when I was three, my mom was 18. So there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, available cash for throwing around like that, right? Oh, yeah, no, it's, yeah, that's fair. So <laughs> when we, we would go hang out with her friends from time to time. So there was an amusement park near where I grew up in Riverside. So anybody in Southern California, this place is still there. You'll know it. It's Castle Park. Once upon a time, they used to have more than one little sad arcade room. It used to be a multi-story, massive arcade room that has mostly since become a roller coaster. You know, one of those laser tag roller coasters. I don't even know if that's still what it is anymore. But Wait, roller coaster and laser tag at the same time? That's what I got. Well, it's, <laughs> it's one of those ones where you sit in it and you shoot it like things along the side as you're zooming around. Okay, okay. That makes a lot it's more sense. It's not like Disney here. It's probably the, <laughs> if it's the one I played at the local fairs here. It's the, the crappy lasers. It wasn't yeah. even open when I went, so I don't know how good it was doing. Yeah, once upon a time, this used to be a big old arcade. They probably rivaled what you expect from GameWorks in the late 90s, early 2000s. But this was in 86, you know? <laughs> you don't have to tell me what GameWorks is for people yeah. that are not working. Okay, GameWorks is Sorry. it's kind of like Dave and Buster's. Before I, I I don't know if it's before Dave and Buster's, but I think GameWorks and Dave and Buster's both really started hitting their stride around the same time. GameWorks was owned by DreamWorks. For those who okay. don't know, DreamWorks, you know, the film company. Steven Spielberg didn't get Dave and Buster's until surprisingly not that long ago, at least in my province. But yeah, so a barcade situation, I guess. Yeah, I've never set foot in a game or, or in a uh, Dave and Buster's, by the way. My memory banks tell me it was uh, 1982. It was founded. Hmm. <laughs> I, I got yeah, a quiet but, keyboard uh, for for the memes. <laughs> I remember being in this arcade, and it was well lit. It was it was not well lit, but it was lit well enough to where you could see everything and not trip. But it was dark enough to where you weren't getting glare on your screen from just about any perspective. You know, it was perfect. It didn't really have windows. If they did, they did. They weren't big. And I think I always went. I was always drawn to Pac-Man. It's that high. It's the ultimate high score test, man. It it was really my first experience with an arcade machine was Pac-Man. So I got really. I I wasn't great at it at the time, but I always wanted to play Pac-Man when we go to the arcade. And then at that one, they also had Miss Pac-Man. They had, I want to say they had Pac-Man Jr., Baby Pac. Like, I would want to play all these. There's so many of them. <laughs> all the packs. Yeah, basically. I was like, what? There's another Pac-Man game? I want to try this one. And, you know, they all got weirder and more bizarre and harder because they were not just a simple single screen anymore. It's like the video game equivalent of A&W with the Burger family. <laughs> So so Pac-Man, so in the arcades, they're not arcades anymore. Now they're kind of machines at theaters here now nowadays. But there's a retro-style large arcade machine now. It's not an actual LED screen. It's like a 
uh, it's like soccer stadium, not soccer stadium, like you know, stadium style screen, jumbotron screen, although it's not mm-hmm. as big, and it has all the games like Pac Man and Space Invaders on it, and I love playing that machine. <laughs> no, my kids can't explain, understand why, but I love playing Pac Man on that because I used to play the cocktail, Pac Man machine, Pac Man machine, Pac Man machine, when I was a kid too. I love that game. Yeah, it never felt right to me playing on a a standing arcade machine it always had to be a cocktail table yeah otherwise i don't know it was just something about the perspective and the posture and all that it felt more natural on a cocktail table than it felt on a standing machine it's like you're leaning into it you have your weight (laughs) just like oh yeah it's just something about like you said the posture of it yeah you just kind of like in that prime thing like if you wanted to jump up and yell hooray because you got a high score or you beat your friend or whatever then you could but it's it's kind of like you're almost hanging on when you're at a normal stand-up one in comparison i i'm pretty sure in about from fifth to seventh grade i blew way too much money on a miss pac-man cocktail table at the round table pizza in town because it was walking distance. My friends and I would go there almost every Wednesday and I'd be like, "Well, we're going to there's nobody at the Pac-Man table, so let's go sit there and I'll play while we eat." <laughs> you were allowed to do that? We weren't. <laughs> See, Miss Pac-Man was the game when I got that for the Atari. Was my favorite game. Cuz Pac-Man the original on the Atari was crappy, right? It was nothing like the arcade game, but Miss Pac-Man is just an awesome, fantastic game. You know, I don't know if I've ever played Miss Pac-Man more than once, and I'm pretty sure it was only on like a like a multi, like a bootleg multi-cart for NES. I don't think I've ever played it in a, an arcade setting. I have to huh. say setting, of course, because you know the uh, the situation for car for cabinets for me now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Donkey Kong Junior was probably the first cocktail tab uh, table cocktail cabinet table thing that I ever played. That was. That one actually got some good memories because I just remember it in a, it was in a hotel in town where all my family is from, and that was the only game there, and the only other way you were gonna play video games is if you or somebody else had one. Of course, all my friends had one, so it's okay. But because that was the only one, that was just, I need twenty five cents. <laughs> so, is there anything else you guys want to mention real quick before I uh, ask you another question? The only thing I'll say is. You were mentioning how it was like a certain level of lighting of the arcade. And it's funny because when I was a teenager or younger side of teenager, there was actually two arcades in the same plaza, which I, I, the area was terrible. High crime rate. <laughs> Perfect place for people to sell drugs. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, maybe that's what they're involved in. But there's two arcades <laughs> side by side. And it was fantastic. But it, uh, the choice was great because they actually had different games. But they had one guy would leave the lights on, the other guy would keep them off or very dim. So you'd find yourself as a kid going to the dark one <laughs> first. If it wasn't too crowded, you'd stay there because of the lighting. And I just know if it's the atmosphere uh, or, you know, just the glare. I think, you know, just the feeling that you're in an arcade, it's just that different world you lock yourself into. And it wasn't the same if the lights were on. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. It's a little unusual. to. It It's easier to get immersed in your arcade experience if the lights are dim yeah i never realized that until you say it yeah you hear all these machines and people around you click 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 bang 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 yeah you know all that 
but you're still like locked into your screen. Yeah. And that's what you hear the most, assuming the sound is on for the machine you're playing. Yeah, you just kind of <laughs> zone in. I think, yeah, that's, you know, that's not a detail I really caught on until uh, sub- I subconsciously I've done it. But I, I think this is the first time I've actually noticed it that you mentioned that, too. Because the ones that I went to in malls and stuff, they were always, you know, lit up with fluorescent lights that, you know, are 20 feet or air or something like that. So it was a little bit different experience than the small place that's built into the basement of a restaurant or something where they only keep it up until, like, 9 p.m. and you can't stay unless you're over 16 or 18 or something, you know, after (laughs) 9. That's the kind of places I remember going to a little bit later in life. There was another one that I used to go to as a kid that was in a mall that my mom would go to a lot. And it was in... This mall was... Mostly single story, except for one tail end where there was an anchor store. It had a downstairs as well. So the anchor store had a lower entry and an upper floor entry. And then there was, I think it was just off of where the food court was at the time in that mall. There was a few stores down there aside from the anchor. And then there was an arcade down there. And that arcade, I don't know why, but in that mall arcade, the lighting was perfect. It was not bright. It was... And I I almost wonder if it was sort of chosen to be put there by mall management so that way the sound wouldn't echo all the way down into all the other stores that were near there. Because <laughs> it was loud. Once you walked over where the the opening was for the stairway, you could not help but hear the arcade just up above it. But I don't remember playing a whole lot of games there. That's where I usually saw the NES games. I think I also saw Fighting Street there for the first time. Actually, I was looking at that earlier today. So that's the Street Fighter 1, basically. And mm. that game is bad. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. forgot how bad. So very like, bad. I always wanted to play it. And then when I finally got a chance to watch some footage of it, I'm like, you only can be as Ryu for the most part. He's a redhead out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> going through all the, like, Joe. Joe's your opponent. Okay. And then Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, like later on, you get Adon and Saget and Birdie and all that. But, but yeah, some of the some of the fighters, I'm like, well, how come there's not enough of these fighting street fighters in Street Fighter three and four and everything? And I think there's a couple. It's because they're bad. <laughs> they're just bad <laughs> characters. Like Joe, the random boxer from America. Like Ken was just bad enough. He was he's already a copycat. You can't have Mike and Joe if they were really plain. But yeah, I remember Fighting Street. That's <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I remember it being at the airport at one point because the airport was the one where you go to because that was probably the only place that would get enough track like traffic for it. And I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but I think the joystick was either over tightened on purpose <laughs> or it was like damaged. But trying to do, I don't know if you could do a fireball on that one or not, but I, I tried it and it was just so impossible. I could not. I I think I won a single fight in that and i probably spent five bucks in a, over the time that it was there <laughs> for a year uh, i had never won a fight i was like this is the one that's when i actually decided to say no i'm good instead of being like oh it's a video game i've got to play it no it was like no <laughs> well, i mean as arcade games go you know sucking quarters of your wallet is kind of number one mission so right that was always the thing for me right the arcade games that you knew were arcade games like designed through and through because you'd go through 10 bucks before you could even get close to finishing it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like The Simpsons. 
<laughs> yes, although I, to my credit, I can beat that one in a buck. Really? I think I yeah. spent over $8 on it at one point and still couldn't beat it. Wow. Yeah, I did it for um, I... RBP, although I died a lot. <laughs> but I can mm. do it in a dollar. I've done it before. I love that game, I... too. That's one of Konami's greatest games. I think after a dollar fifty on the last fight, I was like, I need to walk away. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, the Mr. Burns fight is ridiculous. He's, there's a lot of cheap shots. A lot. So now my question for you guys is, uh, what was one of those game changer arcade machines you tried? So, you know, for example, it, it really changed what you perceived from an arcade machine, like what you expected from the arcade in general, things like that. <laughs> oh, oh, I got one, but I, I, I'm letting Jake go first for this one. I'll go first on this one so you guys have kind of an idea. Okay. For me, it was Virtual On. That's a good one, yeah. There were two Virtual On machines that you actually sit in, connected to each other so they could play Versus. And so, you you know, you hop into the machine, you've got your, your flight sticks on either side of your chair, and they've got the, the multiple buttons on each one, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, pull, pull back on the right side, and your character will slowly turn right, push forward on the left stick, and you'll spin right real quick, stuff like that. And this was the first time I had ever played Virtual On. This is when I fell in love with Virtual On. This is when I decided that I needed one of these machines in my life one day. <laughs> I, I, I still stand by that. I will have one of those one day if I can, but that changed it for me. It was such a cool experience. Do you have a HOTAS now? Like a, the throttle Hands stick? Hands-on throttle system. Is that what it was? Yeah, HOTAS. Yeah, hand-on throttle and stick. And stick. Okay, I was close. Hot ass. No, I don't have one. I've I've never liked the, the home flight sticks and big arcade sticks and things like that because you always have to hold them in place yeah because like when i see those i think virtual on just it could give me two of those <laughs> it costs you a grand <laughs> but virtual on's a, a fantastic game i love playing that in arcades it, and i the first time i played it i think was on a cruise ship so my uh my dad was a comedian and he worked on carnival cruise lines for a while back then so I got to go with him as his guest at one point because he was able to take a guest for free most weeks if he went, you know. So he took me once as a birthday gift and they had, for whatever reason, this cruise line, like this particular cruise ship had a massive arcade. They had that old school VR machine that you'd... <laughs> oh, you'd stand in the middle of it? Yeah, you'd oh. stand in the middle of it. The tracking was garbage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pterodactyl panic or something like that. No, it wasn't even that. It was literally like shooting guys that were coming around corners at you, but they yeah. were oh. horrible wireframe. Like it looked like super hot, except worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's nothing against super hot because at least with super hot, it's it's an aesthetic choice. <laughs> this was the limitation. Yeah, I, I they had no. There was no context to the game. It was just get in there and shoot, and that was shoot it. Like, and dodge. Don't get shot. Yeah. I'd look this up. And so I think you had like a 360 degree range. So you had to like turn around and make sure people weren't shooting from behind and all that. I think I spent $4 on it, tried it once, lasted a few minutes. And I was like, okay, that was neat. I won't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> don't remember the one that I played, but ship. it was the same thing. Yeah. 
that same ship is when I got to try virtual on. So I got to see like some of the worst arcades had to offer and some of the best arcades to have had to offer in the same afternoon. And it was glorious. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I played one of Canada's wonderland for that. And it was bad. It was real. And it was like something crazy. Like there was a lineup for it. And I think it was like three bucks for like a minute play or something like that. It was yeah something bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I walked out of it and I'm like, I'd rather play Super Metroid. <laughs> yeah, like old VR versus what they do nowadays is completely different. Because I remember playing Dactyl Panic, and it was the same thing. $3 for like a couple minutes, and then the helmet was just terrible. You could barely see anything. The tracking was like atrocious. Yeah. Like VR has come so far. It's funny how the VR you can, the, most of the people who put VR in arcades today they're just using the home headsets now, and I find it funny, right? They're just trying to adapt the home tech to something they can sell in an arcade for the same similar prices. I just one thing I got to remember though too was the gun, the game that you gave, like you'd run and you had to shoot people. The gun that they gave you for the virtual reality thing that I played fit in your hand and it held like a like a trigger, but instead of a trigger with your finger, you used your thumb on the top. <laughs> for oh, shooting no. so you weren't using like a like an actual <laughs> gun that was their way around i don't even i don't even remember that oh it was yeah it was weird i just remember everything had a you know sort of lag or time delay to it and yeah i i will i will honestly say i'm pretty sure that experience is why i never was able to get on the this modern vr hype train that so many people are on yeah that's uh, that's kind of how i look at it like it's it's improved drastically yes but oh it has i i i have since tried beat saber it was for the ps4 so it probably could have been a better experience than i even had with that but it was still pretty cool like i can see just how much things have updated since and you know maybe in a few years i'll i'll spring for one but for now i'm good <laughs> oh yeah no don't don't buy it now like i got in early with the um oculus dev kit and then the cv1 and I was very tempted to get the latest version because the CP1 is definitely eye-opening and it's great to play with it. But I don't think the generation leap has been that far with the, the next one. So I'm kind of waiting for another generation. And also the games, right? The tech is really good, like amazing for me. But there's no, outside of Beat Saber and Super Hot. I mean, there hasn't, there hasn't really been a killer app really for, the system, for that type of entertainment yet. And most what is marketed as games is not really that great and it's not really worth the additional money you're paying so i mean beat saber is fantastic and even playing no man's sky in vr is is a lot of fun but there's not enough solid games to pick up i think to make it worth buying now so i always tell anybody who asks don't don't buy vr now wait wait a couple of years but it's it's, it's exciting how far it's come <laughs> yeah all right so before we go too far into sandra bullock territory let's let's go back to the arcades here <laughs> And, uh, this is what happens when we have <laughs> I, good conversations with friends. It's like, oh yeah, you just yeah. start yakking. So let's let's. What do you guys tell me? What changed an arcade to you? When did it okay. stop just being like Frogger and Dungeons and Dragons and things like that? Actually, I was thinking Dungeons and Dragons because, but that's not. <laughs> I mean, if that's what changed it for you, that's what changed it for you. You know. And I almost said Neo Geo multi arcades because you have the five games to pick from but no no i i know what i can say the game changer for me and it, it's all core to the visiting an arcade experience as a teenager is that that plaza with the two arcades 
the well, not the dark one, but the one that lights on. There's a couple <laughs> machines in the back <laughs> called Gal Panic with the nudie ladies. Oh. And every time I walked in an arcade, it took me a few visits before I worked up the courage to kind of walk up to one and see if it was going to get kicked out. And nobody ever cared, right? Nobody gives a crap what a 14 year old wants to do. So I would play those games. And it was basically Kicks, a uh, little game where you have the cursor and you're trying to make blocks over a playing field. And as you reveal the, the playing field, a naked lady, it's actually a good game. <laughs> Some of those got really good. I Gal actually panic? quite like them. Plus, you have the nudity afterwards. So for me, the reason why it's Game Changer is because that was, for me, the moment when I realized an arcade is not necessarily for just kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you see older kids playing games, but it could be adults as well, right? So that's where I'm like, oh, I can, I'm a bit, I'm an adult now. I go, I can play these <laughs> naked lady games. Can't go to strip club. But I can go see them on a TV screen at the theater at the arcade. I'm jealous. I don't. I never seen one of those in my life. Well, thanks to Mame, <laughs> I can emulate it great. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Okay, so this one. Yeah, this one I, I I've got a story for. Oh, you that game. I think I played that in Mame at some point. It's it's fun. I like kicks. I like naked women. Peanut butter and jam. All right. All right, so, go ahead. <laughs> so for me, probably the biggest game changer, again, I was a teenager, early teenager, like probably barely, like 13, 14. And I saw House of the Dead, okay? And I, I want to preface this. I, I loved horror games as a late teenager. You know, mid to late teenager, I was obsessed with it. But... Until I hit that point and I, I hit the bravery button, as I like to call it, I was absolutely terrified. Like, I was sleeping with my parents when I was 12 years old because I was scared zombies were going to eat me from Resident Evil. And, uh, <laughs> like, I, I swore off PlayStation 1 because of Resident Evil. That's how scared I was of it. I slept with my parents for a year. I remember that. <laughs> and uh, so House of the Dead I saw in, in an arcade. And had that same effect. Like I looked over and I kept on kind of glancing and glancing and looking at it. And I was like drawn to it because it's, it's like the car accident. You know, you can't help but look, even though I knew I shouldn't. And I was terrified again. It was just like Resident Evil all over again. And I wouldn't go in an arcade. And if I did, it had to be a big one. Otherwise, if it was in there, I wouldn't go in. <laughs> and, the best part is once I finally like conquered this fear, I started with Resident Evil 2. My friends got me into it. And I was, basically, they told me the entire premise of the game before I even played it, so I knew what was coming. The only jump scares were you know, literally jump scares because I knew they were going to happen. My friends were warning me. So oh, that's the, good. Oh, yeah, no, but I still was scared shitless. Don't worry. <laughs> well, that's the important part, playing the Resident Evil. <laughs> exactly. You don't shit your pants, you don't get your dollar's worth. Yeah. So, uh... When I finally conquered that, I went I went back out, and I played it, and my brother was going to university. I was staying with him in his residence, and I was probably like 15, 16 or something. And they had, you know, all these dudes that were drinking and partying and stuff, because we're living in a dorm, right? And I was just there visiting for like the weekend, and I was staying with him. And <laughs> we went over, and where the food court was, they had, um, they had a... Uh, what do you call it? Just like a little commissary area. And they had House of the Dead, but it had, it was like only 25 cents because normally it was like a buck or something at a normal arcades. But this one yeah. was set to only a quarter. Yeah. 
So we were playing it, and I like by this is I had the hit the bravery button in life, <laughs> leveled up, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden it was the greatest arcade game I ever played. And so as bad as they are, like looking back on it, I'm just like, why was I scared of this? You know, hindsight, of course, but. Now I'm just like, anytime I see one of these cheesy, anything House of the Dead style, like Typing of the Dead, I'm just like, I want it because it's just... This, oh, I love it's me. Just, yeah, it's just all of a sudden it's like this redeeming thing. Like, I've got to play this. I don't care how bad it is because I know I'm not going to be scared and I'm going to just beat it. <laughs> so it's just like this per, like growing up experience that, that definitely changed it for me. That was like this tipping point. I'm an adult now. I'm not scared of you. <laughs> Little tangent on your House of the Dead. I always loved playing House of the Dead at the arcade because it was just so cheesy. It was <laughs> it wasn't even B movie. It was C movie. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Looking back, yeah. <laughs> it looked good though. Like that was fun to say. Oh, I mean the I mean the acting and the story oh, yeah. and who knew what was happening and all the acting was just stiff as a board. Yeah. And then yeah. they did Typing of the Dead, and. <laughs> I never got the gun con at home or anything like that. I think that's what it was called for Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, But I got the keyboard and I got Typing of the Dead because I really wanted to play Typing of the Dead. I like That's the game that taught me to type. Really? <laughs> yes, really. Like we had typing and like we took typing in school and fourth grade or something like that. So I was 10, 11. It was, it, it was still on low caliber Apple computers, you know, but uh <laughs> I was I wanted this for the Dreamcast. I got it. I typed like I typed up a storm. I got really good at typing because of that game. It was so stupid. <laughs> that came out in ninety nine. Did it really? I thought it was older than that. I thought it was younger than that. I thought that was in the last ten years someone just said, Hey, no, we're gonna do this and make fun of this game. No. No, apparently Wow. Yeah. Because like I was saying before, that's like Sega's um you know, not, I don't know if it's first gen, but it's like early gen 3D arcade games. And one of the reasons why I'm getting the Dreamcast, actually 99 makes sense because House of the Dead's graphic style and it was ported to Dreamcast. Right. But there's a few that must have been using that, or at least that style, like um, that Time Cop. Time Virtual Cop. Cop. Virtual Cop. Um, Virtual Cop, sorry. Virtual Cop. No, Time Crisis is what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yes. Time Crisis and Virtual Cop. Both of those. But I think Virtual Cop was the Sega one, like the exclusively yeah. Sega. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the one yes. that you could, I think you could get the the home light gun for the Saturn and you could play Virtua Cop. Or they had like a weird version where you could control it with the D-pad or something on your controller. It was weird. I don't understand what yeah, that was. Yeah, I think I heard about that one. Yeah, you're right. Virtua Cop. And then the other one was Dynamite Cop, which was Die Hard Arcade over here. And just, mm. yeah. I love that early Sega stuff. It's just, it's great. It's It runs very quick, like it's high frames, or at least it feels like it. Yeah, the animation always felt super smooth yeah the the rooms were always really small i think that's why everything looked as clean as it did because there was not a lot of draw distance needed i just remember uh it kind of looked like the 3d version of cell shading you know like early disney movies and stuff that motion <laughs> where they just take you know real life actors and they trace out the things frame for frame so it has that fluid motion but at the same time it's this really terrible flat 2d art style right that's what it felt like with those early games because they kind of had that super smooth motion but it had no like it it had no right to be that smooth for <laughs> for that era is what i looked yeah. at it as 
and Time Crisis also, instead of just shooting off screen to reload, it had the uh, the pedal that you'd step on, which I thought was awesome. Oh, the pedal was amazing. Is that the game too where it said reload, reload, reload? Oh, they all they all started doing that. Yeah, yeah. But that pedal was amazing. I loved that pedal when you're playing. It just felt really just the the heavy gun that shook your hand. Yeah, and then the pedal that was a solid. And the gun, like the gun, actually had that barrel thing that that action that would shoot you know so it made yeah, you feel like you're yeah so it was really neat and one thing i just remember i want to bring up with house of the dead for some reason every time you scored a hit on a zombie it sounded like a werewolf you ever notice that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd like be shooting I at it and all you hear is just like arr, 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 like it sounded like mm-hmm. a werewolf more than a zombie <laughs> and then you'd <laughs> kill like these weird crabs and stuff and they'd all make the same noise it was just I don't know, it's hilarious looking back at it. So there was only one light gun game in the arcade I ever got good at. I I always sucked at all of them, but one that I was good at. If you say lucky and wild, I'm going to I'm going to shit a brick. I don't know what that is. Oh, cuz that was the first arcade game I ever beat. But it's not. It's Jurassic Park. The the Jurassic Park two player where you sit in the machine and you're supposed to be riding in the back of a Jeep for most of it. Gotcha. That that was basically <laughs> lucky and wild. <laughs> like Terminator 2 style where you had the fixed guns that you just swivel you couldn't handle no you could hold your gun oh okay but it's, it's it was just fun to me it was nice and frantic but you could pretty much handle everything I I think I mostly got to play that one at a Chuck E. Cheese back in the 90s I mean the good thing about Chuck E. Cheese is I swear they got all the new arcade games it felt like yeah Especially the more recent versions. Like now, I see Doodle Jump and Deal or No Deal. They were they were first played for me at Chuck E. Cheese. Like they always get the new stuff. In the eighties and nineties, Chuck E. Cheese was like, "Yeah, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese." And then now it's like the kid wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese, and I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> There's yeah. See, that's that sucks for me because I remember seeing the cartoons as a kid for Chuck E. Cheese, and I'm like, this is what heaven's like. I'm like, cool. And there was, you know, nowhere near, I don't even know if any province I had visited up until, <laughs> like, I was almost an adult that had one. But by the time I was old enough to go to one, that's when the, uh, like, Dave and Buster's kind of thing I realized was the thing. And I'm like, okay, this is where you'd go as an adult. And then I'm like, okay, so I missed out on Chuck E. Cheese, and everyone's telling me, good, you you don't want anything to do with that. And I'm like, okay. So I just kind of join in on the memes at this point because I don't even know how bad it is. Like, once they got rid of the ball pit, kind of went downhill. Like, the first <laughs> That's the turning arcade, point is the ball pit. Hear me out. The first barcade that can recreate a safe, <laughs> sanitary ball pit for adults is going to make billions. I'm telling you right now. Fill it with beer and, and – and, no, not beer. That would be, that'd be a swimming pool. No, just fill it with, like, basketballs or something. But a ball pit for adults. That's what I want. Those are the foam dodgeballs, man, because you know you're going to be pelting people with it. Oh, that might work. Uh, yeah, we did that as a kid, too. It's one of the reasons why they got rid of the ball pit, probably. The kid <laughs> yeah. probably lost an eye from a broken ball from the ball pit and sharp like you know plastic. There's going to be a lot of jammed fingers in that ball pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to ask, still on the subject of those uh, shooters, one I always wanted to try and I never worked up the nerve to because it was like 10 bucks or something, $12, and I was like, no thanks, was one of those, at, we had one at Game, I, I think I saw one at the Gameworks when I lived in Southern California, and I saw it at Gameworks when I lived in Vegas, and never tried it, 
they basically you sit in a chair and you work your way up the wall and it's like a four story arcade game. Oh, I've never seen these. Oh man, it was it was really wild to watch people play them because you'd see them work their way up this big ass pillar in the middle of the room and then when their game was over they'd get dropped. <laughs> when was this? <laughs> what what decade was this? 90s or 80s? Uh late 90s. Very late 90s. Interesting. I, I'd say I'd love to check that kind of stuff out because that seems really dynamic, right? That's better than just the usual standing up cabinet, you know, side by side. I want to say somewhere between 97 and 99. If I saw it when I lived in Vegas, it was 98. Interesting. I'd look that up. Yeah, so that was interesting. But I always <laughs> I always liked going to the game works at the mall in Southern California where I lived. Oops. Ontario Mills. I'm sure everybody's got a Mills somewhere that they've been to, but... Uh, that game works. It had like all the newest stuff. So, you know, you could go play Top Skater and, you know, whatever the, the snowboarding equivalent of that was. And then they had Crazy Taxi. They had, then you could go upstairs to the back and you could play Frogger and Pac Man. And what was that other one where you just, it's a stupid little race car that just drives either up or right or left. And you just always vertically like go, sprint? like you're. That might have been it, yeah, where it's just always going up. They just had like those really old ones that you could go upstairs and just pay like 25 cents to play, or you could be downstairs and paying anywhere from $1 to $12 to play a game. Yeah, see, the, the idea of a multi-level arcade would have blown my mind as a kid. We never had them in my area. The first <laughs> time I played at a, a, a multi-story arcade was when I went to Japan almost three years ago now, where just like an entire building would be like six stories of arcades all different games, right? You'd have the older stuff in the top and then it'd be the Street Fighter 2 stuff and then some of the you know mid-range like Street Fighter 3 and whatnot. And then you'd have some of the um, scam games, crane games and stuff down there on the first floor. And it was just, there'd be a whole street when I went to Akihabara. There's like several of those buildings and just multi-levels and just the inner me was like blown. Like <laughs> seeing so many machines. You're saying like you're, Young you, I'm just like thinking of that now as an adult, and I'm like, what the hell? I want this. When we finally take get to take a trip to Japan, I think we're gonna have to take a day for the wife to go see like all their thrift shopping options, because I'm basically gonna want a day in one of them arcade game, one of those one of those big ass arcades they have there. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna drop you off with like a couple of rolls of quarters or whatever, <laughs> just yeah. like your mom would say here. Don't spend it all too quick, and then she'll just leave. <laughs> it's like checking well, check on you in like six, seven hours. Xander's going to want to join me, so, you know, two to one. Yeah, there you go. So, actually, so when I was there, I, I went with my daughter, who was um, six at the time. We went just went by ourselves. Uh, we were lucky, too. And they're one, they're, a lot of them have themes. There's one devoted to just the, the catch machines, the UFO catchers, I guess. But there's one where it's like a, the machines were, um, there'd be a prize in the middle and you enter the money and then this light would swing around the edge of this circle. And if you hit the button in the right time, the spoke holding the prize would drop and the prize would come out. So whenever my daughter saw these machines, she wanted to try them. Didn't matter if they're scams. She didn't understand that. And I walked in and I let her play a couple rounds of one and I didn't realize what the prize was. And then I looked, she wanted because it was a kitty. But what it was, was a, um, a hentai figurine of a cat girl, yeah. semi-clothed. <laughs> so the arcade we had entered was all like adult-like toys. As oh, the no. As in these catch machines. 
I've never <laughs> rushed my child out of place before. And I kept looking at people around me to see if anybody was staring. It's like <laughs> judging me for bringing a six-year-old into a place like that. But nobody, it's Japan. Everybody, they're too polite for that. Yeah. <laughs> nobody was making judgment calls at me. They'll acknowledge your existence and then move on. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically it. No direct eye contact, just that's it. I love They'll Japan. tell somebody later about how they saw some horrible parent, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you would, right? <laughs> Okay, if you, I got a question for you guys. Then, if if you had one arcade cabinet that you could have right now, regardless of cost, I don't care if it's the most expensive or the cheapest or whatever. But if you have one legitimate cabinet from your experience, not one that you want to try, but something you loved as a kid or whatever, what would you have right now? Four player X Men. <laughs> nice. Okay, so I've I've put a lot of thought into this over the years, and there's really three arcade fixtures I would absolutely love to have. You gotta you gotta choose one first though. I wanna hear the other two, but still. Number one. Don't leave me in suspense. <sighs> Just for me, I would go with Miss Pac-Man cocktail table. Like that's where I'm at. I love Miss Pac-Man. I could sit and just play that for hours at but only at a cocktail table i can't sit and play it on the super nintendo or genesis or an emulator or something like that it's got to be in the cocktail table with that joystick there's just something different about playing it in that way that keeps me wanting to play more and i feel like i play better in that situation than i do in the other ways can we talk about controls then for a second because that kind of ties into that because i feel the same way the cocktail cabinet itself yes but some about arcade controls and it's. I looked it up because I've been. I want to build one at home, like an arcade stick, and throw a pie or my mister into it. But I was looking at the arcade controls themselves because I think that is the defining thing. If I like going back to play Miss Pac-Man or even Street Fighter with the three buttons on three buttons layout, six buttons, that concave plastic, the, the heavy joystick. I find it difficult to play those arcade games at home on a controller or on the cheap arcade pads you could buy. So if I build one for the home, I want to like recreate that experience. Because like I, you're, I think it's right. If you don't have the controls, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I totally get that. Like it's, it's weird to me. So those buttons and that that style I'm used to, I grew up with, is called hap hap style buttons, and that's like the American and I think European style. Um, if you look at arcade sticks now, you want to build one for home or buy one. They're all using the Japanese style made by a company called Sanwa or the knockoffs. But I've, I've, I've used those a little bit, but the buttons don't feel right. Like, I'm sure they're more accurate. They must be if all the, you know, eSports guys are using them. But the buttons are, like, they're not dimpled. They're not convex. They're just, they're domes. The joystick feels weird. It feels off. It feels broken sometimes, the way it moves around. It doesn't feel right at all. So it may be more accurate, and everybody loves them. And it's cheaper to buy those parts, and people rave about it. But if I were to build an arcade stick today or buy a machine, if I don't have that older American half style, I don't think I'd like it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, I think. What kind of uh what kind of button do we have for the press B to cancel B? It's a half style, isn't it? Yeah, because it's the convex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the one you want. Yeah, that's what I I specifically went looking for that when designing the logo because to me the other ones just don't really say arcade button to me. No, that's the thing. Yeah. It's it's got to stick out and then have that little inward slope. Like it's got to have that. And it something about that just feels nice. I'm sure it's probably so much worse for like 
holding on to germs and all that at the actual arcades, which might be part of why they don't use them. But yeah. Well, they're actually, from what I read, they're more durable. The half style stuff was more industrial, right? Something that you would put into a wooden cabinet and would would last with abuse in a bar. I think it's the idea. The Japanese ones um, are maybe more more accurate, but they're also plastic, lighter weight. And the arcade cabinets, Mm. they were plastic. So I think the the materials are, I mean, they're less abusive over there, I guess, on the machines. Or at least that was the idea. Probably. People playing these are drunk, (laughs) right? Well, arcades got their start, right, with bars. Also, like, the SNES controller for me, I've grown up with the, you know, the two shades of purple. And so the Y and the X button have the convex style. And so when people have the like Super Famicom one where they're all all concave, I mean, convex. Convex. Yeah. Yeah. So when, well, yeah, the X and Y are convex. No, concave. No, concave. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm getting all flustered now. But yeah, no, I can't stand it when all four of them are. That's why I like the the 8-bit dough one I got because, yeah. Yeah, I'm with (laughs) you on that one. Yeah, the feel of the buttons is definitely important. Like I, the only reason I got the 8-bit Doe's M30 is when I saw reviews comparing it favorably to what Genesis used to have, but the big, round, hard buttons, and they, they feel pretty good. That was actually something I loved on my Saturn controller was just those concave buttons for the ABC. They felt really nice to just put your fingers into, like your index, middle, and I, I guess your ring finger. You're at home. You know what you're doing. <laughs> you know where to put those fingers. <laughs> in my convex press b baby press b so before i unveil my other two games or should i before jake gives us his yeah we should get jake's first wait what other games if if you could the, have one cabinet. if you could have an arcade machine oh. at home okay thank you. uh honestly all of them <laughs> <laughs> well i like i want to build an arcade stick and throw my mister or throw pie into it to play all the classics. But yeah, if I had to pick a game, the reason I'm saying X-Men 4 and my second one, probably the same idea, is the Ninja Turtles arcade game. Oh, It's because they're Konami, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It feels like the same engine or behind-the-scenes parts. But just the multiplayer, the colorful graphics, both games are just incredibly colorful. It looks a lot like the TV show. I know X-Men, the game came out before the TV show, but they look very similar, very true to the comics. The Ninja Turtles looks great. The bosses are fun. There's a little bit of voice samples, I believe, in both. Yeah, there is. And they're hard, but I felt they were doable for the couple bucks I'd put into it. I just love those beat-em-up co-op games. Mine would definitely be another four-player one, (laughs) Crime Fighters. (laughs) That's still my favorite to this day. I don't think I played that one. And it's one that like 90% of people have never played it. It's just like a beat-em-up, but you start out and <laughs> you're a dude with a white shirt and different colored pants compared, uh, con- depending on which controller you use, which joystick. So it's red, green, red, green, yellow, and blue. And they're all the exact same. But I just remember you pick up, <laughs> you pick up the knife and it would always go... <laughs> and uh, like the boss was the dude was a sprite that's like twice the size of you, and he'd swing this giant mace and stuff. And on the side of the cabinet had a guy dressed up kind of like him with the the nose ring that had the chain going to his earring and stuff. So I was like, oh yeah, these are the bad guys. I gotta beat them up. <laughs> oh, I have played this game. This game, <laughs> this game is good. Yeah, yeah it's it was so good. And I think the biggest thing was like you there was this like the first five seconds of the game you come to this billboard 
that says like cover up or wear sunscreen or something. And it's got like a topless lady covering her boobs. <laughs> it says, are you covered? Yes, <laughs> I'm looking exactly. At a screenshot right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just remember like, if you'd walk over to it, it would fall down and it would crush you guys. And you'd turn into like, it looked like squat down Mario characters for like you know, a few seconds. But I always used to play that level, and as soon as I'd start the game, I'd run over that and try to knock it over as quick as I could before my parents saw me playing it. <laughs> so, yeah. It looks kind of like bad dudes to me. It, yeah, it pretty much was. Similar vibe. Huh. So, yeah, that's that's all it was. That's that's probably my my most like cherished game because it was just so fun. The sound effects were just like that perfect crunch, you know, the the cheesy bings and thwacks and stuff all the crazy automatopoeia <laughs> and every time something swing like if you'd swing a a pipe or a bat or anything like that you just pick up a piece of steel or something and it would just go like <laughs> and so it just like was this over the top thing and i just loved it i couldn't get enough of it okay so <laughs> the other machine that i would love to have that's you know an arcade game is, like I mentioned, the virtual on sit-in cabinet. I loved that. But then there's something we've kind of neglected to talk about this whole episode, and it's it's a little sad. If you say Dance the other Dance thing, Revolution. No, it's it's not Dance Dance Revolution. I can't even... Well, now I'm disappointed okay, I, in you, okay? I used to be really good at that at home, and I could not play it at the arcade because my feet would always kick those bars. <laughs> nice. I couldn't do it at the arcade. Oh, wow, you got really into it then. But... Uh, <laughs> I have I have like five or six of them for PS2. I was into it for a while. Air hockey. We didn't even talk about air hockey. And I think just about any time I go into an arcade these days, if there's an air hockey table and people aren't at it, you know, either my wife or I will ask the other, do you want to play? And the coolest one I ever played was a Pac-Man. <laughs> I know we keep going back to Pac-Man, but it was a Pac-Man <laughs> air hockey table. And so you spend... And it's, it's what, let me explain. It's kind of wild. You know, it starts off traditional. It's air hockey, right? Mm -hmm. You got, you got two air hockey paddles on each side. So I think at some points you've got two discs flying around instead of just one. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. So it's, it's already kind of intense, right? Well, after a certain amount of time or a certain score threshold or something, just a massive amount of little tiny discs. We're talking like 30 to 50 little tiny discs just spill out onto the table. <laughs> and you're just like, score them all, score them all, because it's supposed to be all the little dots that Pac-Man eats. <laughs> and <laughs> air hockey? <laughs> it's air hockey. It was so cool. And so those ones are all worth less than the usual, you know, bigger discs. But if you get a ton of them, it's, it can totally swing the game in your favor. That's, oh my God. It was awesome. so fun. We didn't know it was going to happen. We just saw air hockey and we're like, air hockey, let's play. So we right. start playing and then partway through the game, <laughs> that happens. And we're like, whoa, we start screaming with excitement. We're panicking and flustered because now there's like a million discs on the table. And we're just trying to get as many as we can into the other person's goal. <laughs> I just looked at my video. That's wild when the disc come flying out. That's insane. I've never even seen this before. If you ever come across this, if you love air hockey, if you ever come across this Pac-Man air hockey table and you're with someone who likes to play, 
please stop and play it. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, like I want to play air hockey anyway. Oh, I'm just watching the video now. Yeah, that's that's sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I never even thought about that because I'm just thinking about the video style games of it. But yeah, dude, that that is an arcade experience. Yeah, there's a throwback now to like bringing some of those old arcade games back, right? I don't know if any of you guys have played um, the. It's still digital, but it's a pong machine. That a physical pong machine that's out in barcades now, but it's no. like very bare bones, all black, glass top, and then you have a little, little, I guess, plastic bar, and then the ball bounces between the two, and it just, it's so retro, like something it feels like it was from the '80s, but it's a modern game, a reboot huh. of pong, and it's it's a blast to play. So it's definitely like that, and the jumbotron, Pac-Man, Galaga machine was also a trip too. So like they know that people who grew up on the games in the 80s and 90s are kind of old with kids now and they're going to come to these places so they need games that cater to them and they totally do it. It's it's getting really fun. I don't think it's just cater to them but it also games that they want to show their kids that they probably haven't seen in years, you know? Yeah, well, that's part of it too. I love showing my kids all the old games. Like there's some that they even said they like playing the old games. They call it literally that. We play daddy's old games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my son says that to... To my wife, sometimes when she gets home, when he she gets home from work, we played one of one of Daddy's old games. <laughs> That's awesome. Meanwhile, I'm the guy that just ends up playing all these games. <laughs> it's like <laughs> played Dad's old games. I, I'm just like I played Jake's old game. <laughs> you play this? <laughs> I do now. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this particular episode. If there's anything we missed, please feel free to let us know. I'm I'm sure you guys out there all have all sorts of different varying arcade experiences and what made them for you, what your first great one was, all that. Please let us know. We'd like to hear them. I'd love to hear it, yeah. Insert coin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so this has been Press B to Cancel. Thank you for, our, for listening. Uh, I am Werewolf. I pretty much found here almost exclusively for the time being and where can we find you guys Pulse? uh i've also found here primarily i've been slacking on the streaming game but uh you can find me over at twitch.tv slash pulse 109 p-a-l-s-h 109 and jake yeah i'm sick jake you can find me on twitter uh sometimes on twitch but lately i've been messing around around with youtube actually um which by the way you can now check out Press B to Cancel on YouTube. Yay. It's the Muppet Yay. Show. Yay. Wait. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. But also. <laughs> we're trying to do with it too is you'll notice that I don't feel right putting up an audio podcast on YouTube. So I am recording gameplay and putting it with it to try and put the two together. So yeah. If you like it, please subscribe on YouTube. That helps us out. You might also find the odd episode that uh, Jake streams his video recording while he's listening to the podcast. It's kind of fun to watch. I beat Kirby. <laughs> Congratulations. That boss. I got to watch the VOD and make sure there was no gaps in it. <laughs> <laughs> Tool assisted stream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't know what you're up to with that mister. You you can do some magic that I am not aware of. Hey, that's mister, mister, mister to you, mister. Fact. <laughs> and GP, where can we find you? Having a baby. <laughs> Having a baby. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll we'll be back next week. Special thanks for music go to Arthur the Ancient found on SoundCloud or The Last Ancient on YouTube. For more episodes, please visit our website, pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been...